When Lindley and I were first married, we had someone tell us to, uh, to take some, some anointing oil and uh, put it over the doors and the windows of our, of our home that we lived in. And they said to us that this would help protect your house from evil spiritual influences. And uh, it'd, be, it'd be a safer, better place to live. Well, that sounded good to me. I figured I'd need all the help I'd get in the first year of marriage or so. So I, I put oil all over the doors and the windows and praying that God would protect our house. And I, I go through the whole thing, you know. And I don't know, I don't know if you've ever had circumstances like that where someone said something to you about spiritual things, the spiritual realm what's happening in the, in the reality that we cannot see, and said, hey, if you try this, you know, you know, you'll have victory in this area. Or, or maybe you said you were struggling with, uh, you know, uh, feeling maybe like you were ill, stomach ache. Somebody says, you, you have the, 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 the spirit of unrest on you. The spirit of unrest is affecting you. I'm like, maybe. I think it was something I ate. I, th- I think maybe I ate a little bit too much, and I'm feeling, oh, yes, you're right, spirit of gluttony, that's it, you know, and I don't know if you've had those experiences where people begin to say that certain spirits are affecting certain things, implying that you need to deal with that spirit, and if you dealt with that spirit, that things would then be better for you, um, I mean, there's a whole host of things that you can read and hear all around us here. In fact, you can, if you, if you want to try this, I, I don't necessarily want you to do this, but you could go to the churches in our community, all right? You just go around to a lot of different churches, and you will find churches in our community that uh, talk about the spiritual realm and spiritual warfare in terminology that makes it sound like that, that their chief agenda or one of their chief agendas is attacking Satan and making sure that they command God to do the attacking that they want to be done because they understand how to take hold of the things of Satan and suppress them so the things of God can go forth. I mean, they're going to be talking about stuff that will just blow your mind. You'll be like, what in the world? Territorial spirits? You mean there's a spirit over my neighborhood that owns my block and if I don't pray against that spirit, my block is really in trouble? No spiritual break. I mean, you'll hear all kinds of stuff from churches right here within our community, all right? You can go to other churches in our city, and you won't even hear them breathe a word about the Holy Spirit in reference to demons or spiritual things. It would just be like, the Holy Spirit, yeah, he's there, but we're okay not talking about that. You know, I mean, you're just not going to hear. So you're going to get a whole variety of things in our community. You're going to get a whole variety of things if you read stuff on spiritual warfare, and just in your relationships uh, with other Christians around you, you've probably heard a lot of things, and if you're like me, a lot of those things you begin to wonder, is there any truth to that? Is there anything to that? And I think some of our motivation to grab hold of things that sound like they might work comes from a desire for things to be easier, things to be better, 
uh, things to be less challenging and less of a struggle. And I just want to go ahead and give you the bad news up front, okay? Here's the bad news. There's only two ways to escape the struggle that we live in in this world. Two ways. Here they are. Number one, you die. Okay, that's, that one's number one. Number two, Jesus returns. That's it. There is no incantation, formula, method, strategy, um, spiritual effort that's going to lessen the reality of the struggle we experience while we live in the physical seen world waiting for the unseen world to become the only reality that exists. There's no way to escape the struggle. It's going to be here until we either die or Jesus comes again. Now, that does not mean that the experience within the struggle is one of defeat because you can't escape the struggle. That's not the case. Therefore, we need to And my dream and hope and prayer is that we would be a church who through the next four months, by way of this study and your study and our working together as a church family, becomes a church that is biblically informed. And I just want to remind you, if you weren't here in the fall for the two sessions we did on the work of the Holy Spirit, that really serves as part one to what I'm continuing to do. If you didn't hear those... You need to go back and listen to them because that will give you some framework to understand what we're doing in, the, uh, in this topic of spiritual warfare. Now what you've got to understand is that the premise of the work of the Holy Spirit was that, that God has clearly revealed what He does through Scripture. And anything that happens outside of what He has clearly indicated is Him should not be given the same credibility, the same weight or significance as those things that are clearly Him. So you shouldn't go around saying that God did something that we don't know whether or not God would ever do. We should really capitalize on the things that God has revealed about Himself and cling to the truth of God's Word. We're going to take that right into this arena and we're going to make sure that we become a church that's more biblically informed in this arena. Because the bottom line is when it comes to spiritual warfare in the spiritual realm, we all have questions. And most of our questions center around the reality that every one of us struggles with sin and would really rather it be a lot easier. Every one of us cannot stand the effects of an enemy on our culture and our world. And we're scared for our children and what they face in this world. And we want it to be cured. We want it to be fixed. And so we're, we're, we're gravitating towards answers, wanting to have information. And I want to make sure that all of our answers, practices, information is rooted in Scripture. That's goal number one. Goal number two is I really want us, through this study, to become um, spiritually engaged. If you walked away with anything after Sunday morning sermon on Hebrews 11.1, I hope you walked away with the reality that faith is spiritual engagement. If you live by faith, you don't go through this world believing that what you're doing physically is all there is that's happening. If you're living by faith, you become spiritually engaged so that you know when you walk up to a friend... And you begin to talk to them about the Lord. And you begin to 
maybe quote scripture to them and they don't even maybe know that you're quoting scripture, you, you begin to share the gospel with them, that that moment, that there's something happening in the unseen realm, the spiritual realm, that is more significant than what's happening in the things you can see. Hey, when, you, when you kneel down and you pray and you grab somebody, let's pray together, you begin to cry out to the Lord. You're not just voicing prayers to the Lord so that He might work in a way that you can always see and know. It, there's something more significant happening in an unseen realm because you are living spiritually. Every single thing you do gives opportunity for spiritual engagement. And I want us to realize that. When you go to work, you're not going to work as a Christian to get a paycheck. See, God is your provider. You're going to work to spiritually engage in a seen reality amongst the people who many cannot even fathom that there's something unseen going on. You are the bridge for people to get a glimpse into the unseen who cannot on their own see anything beyond this world. And we have to recognize that we have been called to be spiritually engaged. The third thing that I want us to really grab a hold of through this study is that we've got to be victoriously minded. I think a lot of the reason we are attracted to quick, easy answers, formulas, incantations, things that just make Satan do what we want him to do and make God do what we want him to do so that we're all happy is because so oftentimes we feel like we're defeated. Why can't I overcome this? Why, is it, why aren't things changing for me like I think they should? Why aren't things better for me like they are for so-and-so? Why don't I have this kind of story like I heard somebody over here say? And we, and we get in this mentality of, I want more victory. And I'm just here to tell you, there is no more victory than Christ has already secured in His resurrection. And we've got to be a victoriously minded people. And so that's, that's my heartbeat and my motivation for what we're doing. I, I, I want us to be a body of believers who are spiritually engaged, victoriously minded, biblically informed. You know, it's sad but often true that people who enter into a Baptist church have the opinion that there will be little discussed and experienced regarding the Holy Spirit. Well, I'm not going to try to fight that stereotype. But what I am going to try to do over the next four months is make sure that we are so biblically formed we can't help but be spiritually engaged. And because we're spiritually engaged on the, on the basis of Scripture, we will stand out as a community of believers who's victoriously minded. And I want that to define us. So when people walk into this place, they sense that we understand that Jesus Christ sent His Spirit to indwell us, to lead us into victory that Jesus Christ secured. All right? So that's where we're headed. Now, you heard Sunday morning me talk about the unseen reality versus the seen reality. And I just want to give you a, a quick biblical landscape of that truth. And so if you've got a pen and paper... I'm going to give you some references that you can look at later on that uh, will help you see that the Scripture... And, and I'm just giving you some New Testament glimpses. I, I want you to understand you can go all the way back to Genesis 
and you can work through the Old Testament all the way to Revelation, you're going to see that the Scripture unveils that there is a spiritual reality that we cannot see that is more significant or more real than the reality we can see. Okay, but I'm just going to give you a glimpse into some New Testament passages. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. Ephesians 1, 3 and 4. It talks, that God, talks about God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. So the, the place where God has deposited our spiritual blessings is in a spiritual realm. And we get to see that realm and understand that realm and live in that realm by faith. Hebrews 11.1. You're going to see the connections to what I'm doing, what I did on Sunday with what I'm saying tonight. Okay, Ephesians 2, 1 and 2 talks about that when we are dead in our sins, in our trespasses, we formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that's now working the sons of disobedience. So there's this power and this controlling element of the spiritual realm under the authority and leadership of Satan that we were bound to before Christ. All right? And then Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, we're going to focus a lot in this passage, Ephesians 6, 10 through 20, uh, in weeks to come. But, but that passage in verse 12 says that our struggles are not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces, this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. So our battle is not against Obama. Our battle is not against some other nation's government. Our battle is against a force, a power that is unseen, that is evil in nature and against the purposes of God. The the spiritual reality is more real. That's where this is happening. Okay, Colossians uh, chapter 1, verses 13 through 14. We've been rescued from the domain of darkness, transferred into the kingdom of of Jesus. All right, spiritual reality. Hebrews 11.1, 1, we talked about that on Sunday morning. Romans chapter 8, verses 24 through 25, talks about our hope, and it's in hope we've been saved, and if we hope for what we do not see, unseen, with perseverance, we wait eagerly for it. We're waiting for some unseen thing to come. All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16, all the way through chapter 5, verse 10. It's a great passage about the fact that we are not looking at things which are seen, but looking at things which are not seen, because the things which are seen are temporary, and the things which are not seen are eternal. And the idea is there, if you get your eyes on the temporary, you're going to lose out. If you have your eyes on the eternal, you are going to benefit greatly. Again, encouragement towards faith. All right? So all of that just communicates to us that there is this unseen reality. I'm going to use some language from Sunday and hopefully it'll track in your mind since you've already heard it at least once, hopefully. So here it is. This unseen reality exists and is greatly affecting the seen reality. And there's coming a day when the seen world, what we see right now, will be removed, will be destroyed. And Jesus will replace all that's seen with what is currently now unseen so that in that day, our eternity, those who are in Christ, will be an experience of what was formerly unseen. So there is this unseen reality that's more significant, more real, affecting all that's seen, and one one day completely replace it. And so our awareness and involvement in what is unseen is unparalleled in importance. 
We must be engaged spiritually because there exists a reality that is certainly more significant than the one we see, feel, touch, and taste. All right? All right, let's talk a little about warfare, this idea of spiritual warfare. Again, I'm going to give you an overview, just a glimpse into what Scripture talks about here. Again, you could you go all the way back to Genesis. In Genesis chapter 3, the, the serpent comes in and usurps the rulership that, that God has given mankind. God has given man dominion. Man gives over his dominion over the earth to the serpent. And all of a sudden, you've got a change in power under the authority of God. And God then begins to carry out his purposes of restoring that power to its rightful owner. All right? And so you've got this idea of warfare right from the beginning of Genesis all the way through Revelation. But let me give you some pictures on from the New Testament. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 7. talks about weapons of righteousness in our left hand and our right hand. So you're going to hear language of warfare particularly as it pertains to our spiritual life. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 6 says, Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely power for the destruction of fortresses. Okay, now, if you look in the context of that verse, which I think is very important here, you see that fortresses are detailed as objections to the knowledge of truth. Okay, we're not, we're not destroying a building that is used by Satan to do, it's, it's objection to things that stand against the truth, okay? And then uh, the next one is Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 20. We talked about that earlier. That's the whole area about putting on the armor of God, which we're going to spend a lot of time in uh, next week. I mean, next month. Okay, then 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 24 through 26. Verse 26 concludes that passage talking about that those who are opposed to the gospel are held captive by the devil to do his will. All right? And then 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 15 through 16, and then also in chapter 4, Verses 3 through 4. So 2 Corinthians 3, 15 through 16. And chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. And, and that passage talks about a veil that lies over the heart. And turning to Jesus removes the veil. It talks about that everyone who does not know the Lord uh, has the gospel veiled from their life. And so we've got to proclaim the truth. Because, listen to this, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they might not see the light of the gospel. And so we are in a battle, and uh, I think it's important to understand a little bit more about that battle. So you think about the spiritual warfare. If you, if you want to... If you want to define spiritual warfare, this might help us make some steps towards understanding it. It's our God-given opportunity to affect the unseen realm. Our God-given opportunity to affect the unseen realm. And we'll kind of unpack that as we go, but I think that's a good starting place for getting a grasp on what really is spiritual warfare. It's a God-given opportunity to affect the unseen reality. 
Now, if that's the case, then what exactly is spiritual warfare really? Now, if you remember, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12 says that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against these spiritual powers. Okay, so there is then implied a battle going on that's flesh and blood. And we can think about historically battles with flesh and blood. But I want you to think in terms of what, what is the pursuit of people? What are people generally around you pursuing? What are they after? What are they living for? I, mean, I think it generally, if you look around the people around you, you're going to see a common pursuit for belonging, for security, for stuff, for power, for prestige, for importance. You're going to see that there is this pursuit of something that gives people a sense of purpose or value or belonging. People are after feeling like they matter, even if it's to themselves. They're after feeling like they have importance, value. And so they're battling for it. And if you just look around, you're going to see people in the workplace battling for self-importance. They're going to lie to someone because it suits their needs better. They're going to do something in their job that gets them credit over another employee. You're going to see someone that does something that they would never before consider doing because the outcome is potentially positive for them. I mean, people are battling for position in their lives so that they might find significance. Everybody is using this opportunity in the seen world to battle for their own personal significance. And they're fighting other people to get it. And so there most definitely is a battle going on with flesh and blood. And guess what? You and I have temptations every single day to engage in that battle. You know how I know? Because every single one of us here deals with things like envy, jealousy, anger, and bitterness. Every one of us. And we have the temptation to engage in a battle that is against flesh and blood. And yet scripture tells us that is not our battle. So how do you make the shift from the inclination of battling with flesh and blood to letting that battle go and embracing a battle that you cannot see that is, for, that is foreign to your natural inclination. How can you do it? <clears throat> because of Jesus Christ, who through his death and resurrection provides you the only significance that will speak to your soul. You can gain everything the world has to offer through a battle against flesh and blood and you will still come up empty, wanting more. But if you trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, he answers your quest for significance through the person of Jesus Christ and you can lay down the battle of flesh and blood and you can take up the more significant, the more real battle, the battle against the spiritual realm. That's what I'm praying will happen more and more in our church. That when somebody hurts you in this place, that you won't remain hurt. 
that you'll forgive and that you'll make the first step in apology. You'll make the first step in reconciliation because you'll embrace the reality that my significance is found in Christ and they can inflict me with all sorts of suffering. I will not engage in a battle against flesh and blood. That battle was won for me at the cross. I will engage in battle against spiritual things, the unseen realm. And the fact is, the reason that I am hurt is because my heart continues to need significance from Christ. And if I will find by faith the unseen reality of God's glory and the significance that comes from His love for me, I will not react towards this person in a fleshly battle. I'll react towards them in a spiritual battle, which means I will forgive and I will love. And I'll require nothing from them because they have seen Christ in me. See, that's, I want them to see Christ in me. And so I will engage that way spiritually. See, we, we've got to understand when Christ answers the question of my significance, then I can engage in this other battle and I can take up arms spiritually. Well, what does that really look like? I think there are really two ways you can think about spiritual warfare in the unseen reality. One is you are battling for your own faith. You, you are battling for your own faith. You want to stay in Christ. You want to cling to Christ. You want to continue in Christ. And there is a battle in staying in the faith because the enemy is seeking to take you out of the faith. Now I'll talk to you more about the enemy in just a second. But the first part of the spiritual battle is your own battle for your own heart to stay in Christ. The, the second one, the second aspect of this war in the spiritual realm is the battle we take up for the hearts of those around us. And this is true both for believers and unbelievers. We get to have an opportunity to live and act and, 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 and live towards people in a way that they can experience being set free from the captivity of the enemy. The way we speak and the way we live carries forth the, the weapon for their freedom, the gospel. And the way we interact spiritually gives people an opportunity to experience the freeing power of the gospel. We have got to be spiritually engaged in that perspective to understand what's really going on with people around us. We are battling for flesh and blood, not against flesh and blood. It is critical that we understand that spiritual warfare is primarily a battle for flesh and blood, not against. We are engaging spiritually in the unseen realm through faith in Jesus so that people might see Christ and experience the transforming power of the gospel. That is what we do if we do spiritual warfare. All right, so let me talk to you a little bit about the enemy. The enemy, um, we, can, we can kind of talk about it in three different arenas. All right, one is our flesh. 
That's one of our enemies. This, this inclination that all of us have to move towards something terribly displeasing to God. All right? The other uh, enemy is the world. All of the, the attitudes and the culture and the bent of things in this world against God in ungodliness is this enemy called the world. And then the third one is Satan. And Satan is an intelligent, created being that is thoroughly evil, standing against the purposes of God. Okay, so I don't want you to hear me saying tonight that the devil is an idea or the devil is just general bad things in the world. That's why the world is bad, because there is this so-called devil. No. He is an intelligent being created by God who has taken up opposition to God in every fiber of who he is. Okay, so you've got the world, you've got the flesh, you've got the devil. Now, the great way, to, I think, to think about this, and I, look, I saw this in a book today, I thought it was a great illustration, is think about a rope that's made up of three cords. And those three cords are so intertwined that it creates one rope. So you think about our enemy. Think about our enemy as a three-corded rope that is wrapped up with the world, with ourself, with the flesh, and with Satan. The reason why it's important to think about it that way because the Bible's approach to any opposition to the knowledge of God is the same. There is not a special approach to the world that's different from the flesh, that's different from Satan because all three of those are so intermixed that it does not matter whether or not you can label one over the other. You stand against them all the same way, biblically. And so you think about the enemy, think about it that way. Now let me talk to you a bit more about Satan. Because he's the one that's taking opportunities with the other two realms. So something happens in the flesh, you're tempted towards something, you begin to walk into that sin, the enemy will take advantage of that opportunity and exploit the opportunity to deceive you. You get lured into something in the world that is contradictory to the knowledge of God and you begin to entertain those ideas, Satan will come in and exploit that opportunity and take you further into deception. So, so, so I want to focus a little bit on the enemy. Now, f- first thing you need to know about Satan and the most important thing you need to know about him is that he is a defeated foe. You, what you cannot think about in spiritual warfare is God is on one side, Satan is on the other, and they're doing this battle, and we can't wait to see who wins. Okay, that's not what's happening. God has already defeated Satan. It's just not yet been fully enacted by judgment. Why not? Because God in his patience, not desiring that any perish, is delaying the fulfillment of his promise so that all that would be brought in are brought in. He's delaying so that his bride is made ready for Jesus. Okay? It's not because Satan's, you know, gaining a lot of force and we got to try to get the territories back and trying to make some headway before the end. No, no, this is not a battle where we're moving back and forth and we, we can't have the end happen until we have enough of it. No, that's not what's happening. God is patiently waiting for for the drawing in by the Spirit of Christ of those who belong to Him. All right? And so our foe is completely and totally defeated. And we're waiting for the full enactment of judgment upon Him and the full and complete redemption of the bride. While we wait, our defeated foe is dangerous. 
He's dangerous. It's, it's similar to the situation in Afghanistan or Iraq or wherever our armies have gone into. We, we wipe out their situation. We put into power. We want to be in power. The enemy still exists. He's defeated, but he's still dangerous. You've got to be on the lookout. I mean, that's the idea. He's defeated, but we still got to be alert. Now, one thing the Scripture does, I love this, every time you hear the Scripture talking about Satan, you're going to hear the Scripture talking about Satan as a defeated enemy. There's nowhere in Scripture that gives him a lot of credence. He's just defeated in the places of warning. You better be alert. You better watch out. He's prowling around like a, like a lion. All these statements about the work of the enemy are always, always connected to the idea that if you cling to Jesus, if you stay in the faith, if you just hold fast to Christ, that, that devil is impotent towards you. Everywhere. That's the message of Scripture. All right? Now, the other thing that's really cool about how the Bible talks about Satan, I love this. This is beautiful. Okay, so he's impotent when we cling to Christ because he's defeated, all right? Second thing is the Scripture talks about Satan as a tool that God uses to accomplish his purposes. So, so he's impotent against believers who stand in faith He's defeated because of the resurrection of Jesus. And while he's trying to go against the purposes of God, God takes the very things that are against him, turns them around and uses them to accomplish what he wants to accomplish to bring about his goal for his glory. Okay, does that give you a pretty good picture of our enemy? That's who he is. Dangerous, we better pay attention. But defeated, impotent, we stand in Christ and used by God to accomplish his purposes. Now I want to remind you The way the enemy seeks to take us down is by deception. He wants people to believe something is true that is not true. He wants people to believe something that is outside the realm of Scripture, what we clearly know is true, to be true so much so that they make less of Scripture and more of what they believe is significantly true. And you have people both who are believers and unbelievers who can fall into the trap of the deception of the enemy. That is why we must be seeking to be a biblically informed people who because of our biblically based understanding become spiritually engaged and victoriously minded. Now I want to just emphasize that the victory is accomplished because of Jesus Christ. We are completely and totally victorious. And so our spiritual battle is not a battle for victory. It's a battle of victory. Significant difference. I am not fighting in my struggle with temptation and sin so that I can become victorious. Notice this subtlety. I am fighting in my battle of sin because I am victorious and I'm clinging to the hope that one day the victory Christ secured for me will be all that I know. See the difference? Quit struggling with your sin, believing that you have to arrive somewhere with some lesser amount of sin and all of a sudden you're going to feel victorious. Wrong. That's not victoriously minded. 
The truth is that Christ has secured your victory independent of anything you've ever done. And he's given that to you as a gift of his grace by the purchase of his blood. So that now you get to walk victoriously, holding on to the fact that someday you will be free from the sin and death that has ravaged your body. We are victorious because Jesus Christ is a warrior king who has sealed the victory by his death and resurrection. I hope when you leave tonight, you'll be a little more biblically informed. And because of that, you'll seek to be more spiritually engaged. And all of your spiritual engagement by faith will be from a perspective of victory. We are God's people. And he is our mighty conqueror. And we need to make sure that we remember that faith in Christ is how we see the unseen reality so that it informs, directs, and dictates everything we do in this life. That is living in spiritual warfare.